would to Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> Last week we started talking about the autonomy of the local church as we, <clears throat> after the first of the year and our theme uh, being anchored in Christ, and I, I felt it was important that we spend some time learning, uh, or not, not necessarily learning, but maybe reinforcing what we believe and why we believe it. Uh, because, you know, there was a time in my life, I went many years just, I, I, <clears throat> I don't know, just believing what I was taught and ne- never really understanding it was my responsibility to do the, to do the learning. And <clears throat> I remember years ago, Melanie and I were visiting a church um, uh, and <clears throat> we were only going to be there one time and and but we didn't know anything about the church and and standing in the parking lot before church there was a group of people and and uh, we walked up to the to a bunch of people standing there <clears throat> and and I just I asked I said um, uh, you know we, we I struck up a conversation eventually I asked I asked the guy I said I said what do you guys believe here you know, and that's a that's a that's a pretty broad uh, question, okay? And, well, let me let me stop and qualify this. Before I asked the question, the guy had identified himself as a deacon to, of the church, okay? So I'm I'm talking to someone who should be in the know of what they believe, okay? I, I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. You're a deacon, you should know what the church believes. So. It's really that question is is a hard question, but it's a real simple question at the same time. You know, because there are certain things that we believe that should be uh, very easy to explain, but at the same time, you, I mean, you could go for hours explaining that question if you know what I mean. So, but anyway, I asked. I said, "So, what do you guys believe?" And he stopped and he went, "Well." I guess we believe what Baptists believe. Yeah, and I thought, wow, this was a deacon. He had no clue. He he just admitted to me that he had no clue of what the church believed. And then I, I, I think if my memory serves me, because this is a long time ago, if my memory serves me correctly, I started asking him specific questions, and and he was still really vague. And well, you know, the pastor will be here in about ten minutes, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you know. So, <clears throat> so it's important to know what we believe, and and uh, we spent time. Uh, we're going through what we call the Baptist distinctives. Uh, we we covered. Uh, the B, the biblical authority already. Last week we started talking about A, or the autonomy of the local church. And <clears throat> the word autonomy here is a compound word that means self-rule. And uh, again, um, in, in case you were not here last week, uh, the, the beginning part of this is going to be a little bit of review, just mainly because we didn't get very far last week. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the Apostle Paul, in his writings, <clears throat> and, other, and other writers, Paul, John, and others, uh, uh, primarily in the New Testament, have chastised and pointed out errors in local churches, but the decision to correct or change any, any false doctrine was left up to the church. Do you all understand that? Paul in his writings, uh, John uh, in his writings, particularly the ones that just jump off the page at me are the seven churches of Revelation. The Lord himself is dictating through John to the seven churches, hey, these are some good things that you have in your, in your ministry, in your church, but I have ought against you. And, and then he would listen... And 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 it is up to the church then to make uh, to take in the criticism 
and then make the changes. Is, is that, does that make sense? Nowhere in Scripture is there ever given a, a body of authority over the church, i.e. a convention, a, uh, or a denomination, anything like that, to dictate what a local church should do. Okay? <clears throat> I'm, I'm looking at people that don't know that I'm talking. Does that, does that make sense? Are there, is there any questions with this? Because if we don't get this part, we, we need to stop here and camp on this. Yes. Then that, that again, that is, that is a decision of a local church to bring themselves under that authority, but it is not a biblical decision. Okay. But they, the, the church has the right to do that. And, um, you know, if um, I'm trying to think of a scenario, well, the, the church that, that, that my wife and I um, came from uh, in South Carolina, uh, uh, they, they in, in a sense, uh, started, helped start Grace Baptist Church. <clears throat> now, what do you think would happen if the pastor there uh, called me tomorrow and said, uh, hey, Rick, I, I heard that uh, you were preaching some heresy and you, you need to not do that. What authority does he have in my life to make me change what I'm teaching? <laughs> She's laughing because the, the current pastor would never do that. <laughs> But he's not the pastor that I had. It's a, it, it's, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, yeah. It's twice removed. So I, I barely even know the pastor of the church. But anyway, the, the point is this: anything he would say to me could only be a recommendation. He does not have the authority to walk through this door and close our church, or to remove me as the pastor. Now, who has the authority to remove me as the pastor? The church does. And that, that's the only body that has that authority. So it is, it is the autonomy, it's the self-rule of the church that separates most Baptist church. And I say most because, like, like Derek said, there are some Baptist churches that have put themselves under authority of different denominations and, and, and um, uh, conventions of sorts. And those, and those churches have made that choice to do that. <clears throat> but Baptists are unique in that sense that we really are, to my knowledge, one of the few faith groups out there that are autonomous in our teachings. Does that make sense? I had a, a, a family member who was a pastor of a, a church that belonged to an a, 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 a not a it's not a denomination it's a, a convention and he adamantly disagreed with some of the doctrinal positions of the convention and when he was pressed why he was still in a church in that convention his answer was, well, my retirement plan is tied up in that convention. Think about that for a minute. Now, it's easy for us to sit back and say, well, you have no business being in that convention. If you disagree doctrinally with them, you should remove yourself. But I'm telling you, how many of you have worked at companies for many, many years and disagreed with something, and then, you know, stuck it out for the retirement. Now, was 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 this family member right? I don't believe he was right. But I'm not the one going to be there to criticize him because you know what? All I have to do is worry about me. It is none of my business what that other church does. The autonomy of the local church is critical. Acts chapter 2, let's look at verses 46 and 47. 
And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily as should be saved. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, I just ask that you would just guide and direct in a very special way tonight and help us, dear God, uh, to draw close to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, I do want to say this. I'm, I'm, I'm still in the review part currently, but I want to say this. If you have a question in, in all of this, um, don't, don't hesitate to, to raise your hand and ask a question, okay? Because it's important that we understand why we believe what we believe. And I don't want you to go out and, and to just regurgitate this because, oh, that's what pastor taught us. No, that's, that's not. That's not why we do this. So if you have any questions, please do not hesitate at all. So number one, we talked about the purpose of the local church last week. I read this, <clears throat> this statement uh, out of our Constitution, section 1.012 is, is, is entitled Purpose. It says... The specific and primary purpose of this corporation is the uh, propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ according to the Bible. The object of this church shall be to maintain public worship, proclamation uh, of the gospel for for evangelization of the world and the administration of the ordinances of the New Testament church for the edifying of its members. The church now and in the future shall not uh, become officially uh, connected with any convention, association of churches, but shall remain an independent self-governing body that conducts its business in accordance with the word of God. That comes straight out of our constitution. And that sounds really, really good, but how many people can tell me what it means? What does it mean? You know? <laughs> there you go. And, that, and that's what it, and that's, yeah. So what does that mean? Ecclesiastical. So. <laughs> okay, basically, in a nutshell, what this really cool statement is, it's a legal statement because we are a corporation. It is a legal statement outlining the purpose of what Grace Baptist Church is. And in the purpose is to stay autonomous. Does that make sense? Because there is no organization, no government organization, nothing that can tell our church how to worship God. That is between us and God. I made this statement last week. I wanted to read it again because I I believe it to be true. And uh, it says, I believe, and th- again, this is, a, this is my own words, I believe that because the rapture is so far from removed from Christ's resurrection, basically what I'm saying is there's so much time has taken place, 2,000 two plus years between the rapture uh, and or the, the, the resurrection and the rapture, <clears throat> that churches have lost their focus. Churches have become businesses and not hospitals, places of entertainment, not places of edification, places of indulging and not places of conviction, places of self-pampering and not places of self-truth. When I was first saved, I, I had not been saved, I don't know, maybe maybe two or three weeks. You remember Mike? Okay, Uh, Mike was the man who actually led me to Christ. And he went to a a different church than the church that I decided to go to. And I'd been saved for just a short period of time. And Mike made this statement to me one day, and I didn't understand it at the time. Because I had invited him to to come to my church. 
And he says, he says, well, he says, the problem with that is I only go to a Baptist church when I need conviction. <laughs> okay, let that kind of let that kind of sink in. Okay, so what he was telling me in a nutshell is that he would rather go to a church that made him feel good instead of a church that pointed out areas in his life that needed work. Now, should every service we come to be a a a, a conviction? You know, no, there are times we come and we praise, but the, the, the point that I'm trying to make here is, <clears throat> and, and this was 30 plus years ago that he told me this, and the churches have only gotten worse. Oh, yeah, almost 40 years, yeah. Man, you're getting old. <clears throat> so, so, so what is, and I asked this question last week, and, and I had a, a few people didn't get the, and we'll, we'll get into this tonight. Should the function of the church be filtered through the purpose of the church? Absolutely. And we're going to get into the purpose of the church here in just a few minutes, so just stay with me. But let, let me give you an example of this. We get asked quite often to get involved in community service events. Uh, you, you know, f- feeding feeding people that need help, and 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 um, I, I'm drawing a blank on on other things. But we get we get requests quite often. How do we, as a church, filter what we do through the purpose? Is is our job as a as a church to go out and feed the poor. Is that the purpose? Is that is that the purpose of our church? No. Now, should we be sympathetic to the poor? Absolutely. But what is the purpose of the church? The purpose of the church is to preach the gospel, not to feed the poor. Does that make sense? So everything that we do as a church needs to be filtered through the purpose of the church. Because if we become a, an extension of social goodness, then we fail to do the purpose of the local church. And we become, we fail, or we cease to become a local church and we become a charity organization. Okay, okay do you see this? But... At the same time, are we not to be charitable? Okay? So how then how then do we do we do that? We do it by filtering everything that we do through the purpose of the church. Satan would love nothing more than to have Grace Baptist Church become a community social club. Because is Satan worried about a church doing good things? No. What's he, what, is, what is Satan worried about? Preaching the gospel. It's the gospel that changes lives. You know, going back to, to the old uh, adage, you know, you, you can teach someone to plant corn and it'll feed a family. How does that go? Or you can feed them. Oh, yeah, you can give them corn, but they're going to be hungry the next day. Yeah, exactly. So, so what, what is, okay, now, now let's get really practical here because this is super critical we get a hold of this. What is the most important thing that every person who has ever walked the face of this earth, what is the most important thing that they need? Is the most important thing that they need shelter? Is the most important thing food? What is the most important thing? Salvation. So if everything that we do is filtered through the purpose of what we do, it then makes what we do a lot easier, does it not? 
<clears throat> if, if my goal is to feed somebody who's hungry and not give them the gospel, then what have I done? I've sent them to hell with a full stomach. Now, should we not feed the poor? Absolutely. But we should do it with the gospel. Yeah. Uh, years ago, <clears throat> we were uh, involved in a church that supported a, a, uh, a rescue mission in downtown L.A. And <clears throat> hundreds upon hundreds, probably well, not hundreds, thousands of thousands and thousands of people got saved through that ministry because they fed the poor every day, two or three times a day. But they didn't get to eat until they heard the gospel. Amen. Okay? I, I, went, I went to Haiti back several years ago uh, to, to help uh, work on a, a hospital in Haiti. And people would literally come they would walk for days to come to this clinic. And <clears throat> the rule was that you had to be in this closed off area, like a it, it was it was really nothing more than a than a than a, a shed with no walls, but a big shed. <laughs> and they had benches in there. And you had to be within the parameters of this by eight o'clock in the morning in order to see, be able to see the doctor. Well, the clinic didn't open until 10. And nobody was allowed to come in after 8 o'clock. And you know what they heard for two hours? The preaching of the gospel. I mean, they had regular church service, <laughs> singing the whole, the whole nine yards every single day. And people from miles would come just to see the doctor. Thousands upon thousands of people were saved. Because they, they filtered what they did through their purpose. The purpose is the gospel. But what did they do? They gave out medical care. But what was more important, the medical care or the, or the gospel? Okay, let's talk about the function of the church. <laughs> this, is, this is where we left off last week. <clears throat> the function of the church. Again, as we go through this, I have a tendency to, to just blow through this stuff really fast. So don't, please don't hesitate to stop and, and uh, ask questions. The function of the, of the church is clearly explained in the New Testament. <clears throat> we'll start with letter A, and the edification of believers. And we spent a lot of time talking about this last week, so we're not going to spend a, a lot of time on it this, this evening but the edification of the believers. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 42. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized in the same day and were added to the church about 3,000 souls. And they, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayer. <clears throat> so, the purpose, <clears throat> or the, 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 the function of the local church, first and foremost, is the edification of believers. That is what our church is to do. Now, <clears throat> we have um, uh, 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 teen activities. Uh, we have we have uh, John and Ashley that do a, I, I believe are doing a, a wonderful job working with our young people, <clears throat> but we have a teen Bible study on Wednesday night. But we have activities. Our, our teens um, do all kind of crazy stuff. They they uh, um, I don't I don't know. I've been down there and it's just it looks like just absolute craziness going on down there. But uh, you know they next weekend they're going snow tubing uh, in the fall. I know they do the the, the corn maze. Uh, they they have these blow up things that they kind of get up inside and they bounce against each other. And I, I what is that called? A bubble suit. A bubble suit? I need one of those. <clears throat> um, 
<laughs> you know, and 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 do do our teens have fun? That's the goal. Okay, that's the goal is to have fun. But what happens at every activity? There's always there's always some Bible teaching taking place. Why? Because is is the is the the function of the church to entertain our teenagers? No. Now we do that, but the function of of our youth department is not to entertain our children. It's to teach our children. Uh, we have <clears throat> on Wednesday nights we have Patch the Pirate Club again. They sing songs, they play games. What do they do? They they have a Bible time. They have Bible memory time. What is the point? What is the purpose of or the 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 function of the per? What is the purpose of the function anyway? You know what I'm saying. We're not there to babysit your kids. We're there to fulfill the purpose of the church. Everything that we do, we try and filter through the purpose of the church. So letter A, the glorification of believers. Number, letter B, <clears throat> the glorification of the Lord. We should be here to glorify God. It's really pretty simple. It's, you know, this is not rocket science that we're talking about here. How, how do we glorify God? Well, I'm going to give you several ways that we glorify God. The first one is through praise. Acts chapter uh, 2, verses 46 and 47, and they continue continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking the bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily uh, such as should be saved. I should have put in here, I didn't think about it till just now, what, what happened or what will happen if we as the church refuse to praise God? The rocks will cry out. God will be praised. And part of our, our job, if you would, is to glorify God through praise. The second one is prayer. Uh, we're we're going to, I'm, I'm planning on doing a, a pretty in-depth study on prayer here very, very soon. So I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but, but how much time do you spend in prayer? Acts chapter 2, verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking uh, of bread and in prayer. Last night, we had a revival prayer meeting to, uh, to earnestly come before God and pray and, and ask God to bring revival to us. How many people were here? Seven. That's not good. Now, now, do I say this to to make you feel bad? Yes. <laughs> because whose responsibility is it to pray down revival? Is it mine? It's all of ours. And if we are going to see revival in a couple weeks, it is not going to be because we put it on the calendar. It is going to be because God's people got on their knees before God and prayed it down. It is not my responsibility to, to pray down revival. It is our responsibility. Yes. Well, it should be a daily thing. Yes, yes, thank you. Prayer, prayer it, was just, it was just the latest example of, 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 of our need of prayer. But we, we should be, there, there's, 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 an in, there's a key word here. Uh, <clears throat> uh, 
the word steadfastly. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine of fellowship and in the breaking of bread and prayer. Steadfastly. What, what do you think that word means? Anybody? Okay. It, it carries definitely carries a sense of dedication to it. Okay. It, it would definitely be without ceasing as well. It, it, it carries the idea here that we, it, is, it should be more of a lifestyle than anything else. We need to glorify God through praise, through prayer. Number three, through worship. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure... Uh, they are and were created. Worship is an important part of what you and I need to be doing on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. When, when we come through the doors on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, we should not be coming through <clears throat> the doors with the attitude of, okay, God, what are you going to teach me today? Is that worship? No. We should be coming through the door saying, God, speak to me. Does it start in the parking lot? No. For me, oftentimes, as often as I remember, I will on Saturday night start praying that God will speak to my heart at church on Sunday. Why? Because... Worship is an important part of what I need to do. Worship is an important part of what we need to do. Back several years ago when we started the church, well, 10 years ago almost, and July will be 10 years, our order of service was like this. We would come in, I, I would greet everybody, we would sing a song, I would do the announcements and we would sing a song. We would do the offering. I don't know how we did it. Anyway, the announcements were in there somewhere in the, in the, in the order. We've, we've not done it this way for so long, I, I forget. But then all of a sudden, I got convicted. God, God started working on my heart about, about the way we were worshiping. And I, and I thought, something's wrong here. Something, something is, is, is missing. And I started praying, and I thought, why, why do we do the order of service that we do? Anybody know? Okay, yeah, exactly. Because the church that I came from, that's how they did it. And every other church I'd ever been a part of, that's how they did it. So I thought, well, that's how you do it. And then it started dawning on me. You know what? Announcements have nothing to do with worship. So why, why are we throwing announcements in the middle of our worship? Because is, is the song service part of worship? Absolutely. What about the offering? Is that part of worship? Absolutely. So that's why we do our announcements at the end. Because I, yeah, what we were doing is we were starting worship, and then right in the middle of it, we would stop and have the announcements. Yeah, a commercial, if you would. Thank you. That's a, that's a great illustration. We'd have a commercial. We'd stop the game. And then we'd go back to worshiping. I thought, no, that, that, that's not right. We shouldn't do that just because the church that we came, that's how they did it. That's tradition. I, so, <clears throat> so that's why we do it the way we do it. Yes, ma'am. Uh, remember Wednesday night? Wednesday night that changed it Yes. Yes, good point. Okay, <laughs> Wednesday night, if you don't come on Wednesday, um, huh? You should, yeah, uh, you should. But if you don't, <clears throat> what we do is we we get together and we do our you know singing and do all that. Then we do our our um, 
our prayer time, and then we stop and we pray. And then what time is left, we have our Bible study. Anybody that is new know why we do it that way? I said new. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Okay. Well, the, the, the way we used to do it was we would do all our things. We'd have the Bible study. And then we'd have prayer time at the end and invite people to stay and pray. Well, everybody would leave. Why? Because, you know, hey, I got to get up early in the morning. I got to go to work. So what, what, what is more important here? Prayer. Worship. So that's why we changed it around. <clears throat> Number four. Another way, and we, we just talked about this, <clears throat> giving. Giving is important part of giving uh, glory to God. <clears throat> Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the, me- with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Giving. Giving, I cannot tell you how important it is to learn how to worship God through our giving. There is a freedom. There is a freedom that comes when we learn to give. Because what is the promise in this verse? The promise in this verse says, if you are abundant in your giving, how will God repay that with abundance? But if you're selfish in your giving, how will God repay it? Selfishly. There is a freedom that comes when we learn to glorify God through our giving. It is an important part. I I am a person, and you can ask my wife this, I hate, with a capital H, money. I hate money. I I don't like it personally. I don't like it at church. I wish there was a way we could live without it. I hate money. But guess what? We all need it, do we not? Now, I'm going to ask you a question here, and this 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 is kind of a loaded question, but does God need you to give? No, he doesn't. Does he want you to give? Absolutely, he wants you to give. Why does God want you to give? Because he needs the money? Think about this. Does God need money? He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need our money. Why does he want us to give, though? Because it's part of worship, for one thing but he wants to bless us. Number five, another part of worshiping is love, loving. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment give I unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one another. Now get a hold of this. Love is, in, is an incredibly important part of, of our, our giving praise to God. Why? Why is it so important that we as a body love each other? Well, okay, if we if we don't love each other, we can't love God. That's 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 another principle. But just based on this on these two verses that I just read, or was it yeah, two verses. How does an unsaved world see the love of God through us? Now, is it easy I, I want everybody to look look to the person that's sitting next to you. <laughs> okay all right uh, brandon's got an aisle on one side uh 
<laughs> or Brian does. Um, uh, but but seriously, look, look at the per- is that person easy to love? No. No, especially if it's your spouse. <laughs> But what happens when we, you, you know, if it, let, let, me, let me put it to you this way. If we as a church can embody the love of Christ, what does that say to a lost world that does not know what true love really is? They're different. I want what they have. Number six. Living for Christ. Living for Christ <clears throat> is part of glorifying the Lord. Just living for Him. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our, our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all uh, the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of uh, faith with power that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according <clears throat> to the grace of our Lord, or excuse me, our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Living for Christ. What does it mean to live for Christ? Anybody? Okay. Okay, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Glorifying, okay. How about this one? If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. See, is that not part of how we glorify God? Living for him. And then letter C, ordaining men for the ministry. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Now there were in the church that were in Antioch certain uh, prophets and teachers and Barnabas and Simeon <clears throat> that, were called, that was called Niger of Lucia of Cyrene, uh, the Manem, which, was then, which had been brought up with Herod, the, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. Now, what what did we just read? What in, in a nutshell, what just happened? Okay, it was it was it was the sending out of the first missionaries, what we would call missionaries. Okay, Barnabas and Paul. But what 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 happened leading up to this? Okay, th- there were there were several people here in the church that had been living for God, and it was time. And God God said, <clears throat> it's time to send send out these men to to distribute, if you would, the gospel. Paul and, and, and Barnabas were separated. They were ordained, if you would, and they were sent out by who? Okay, well, they were sent out by God, but, okay, but, but who, who sent them out? The church did, the local church. See, it is the local church that ordains people and sends them out. See, we we support missionaries in in. Um, see, we have two missionaries in New Zealand, uh, Ponape uh, in the in the Micronesian Islands, huh? Brazil. Uh, we have the the Martins who work with the military, uh, and JB and Linda Godfrey who literally travel all over the world and do all that. Now, <clears throat> what organization sent them out? Their church. 
Now, now what, what, what do we do as a local church financially? Okay, we come alongside their local church and help financially sustain their physical needs on the mission field. But the, the commission in Matthew, <clears throat> Matthew 28, <clears throat> go ye therefore, uh, no, I, that's, that, that's, that's another passage. Um, go ye into all the world and pre, uh, no, is that it? Matthew 28? Okay, go ye, go ye in there. Uh, let me turn there. I, I'm, okay. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Okay, okay. <clears throat> now, is that command, we call that the, the Great Commission. Is that, and that's, that's theologically, that's what we call it. Now, who is that Great Commission to? The, the, the church or the individual? Okay, really kind of both, but it's really, it's really to the individual. Okay, let's go back to Acts 13. Who did they send out? They sent out Paul and Barnabas, but the church didn't get the call. The men got the call. The church ordained them and sent them out. Does that make sense? Because <clears throat> it's important you get a hold of this because <clears throat> the, the, the evangelistic call in Matthew 28 is to the individual, not to the church. Because the church, we as a church cannot go to New Zealand. I mean, it kind of be fun. <laughs> okay. Exactly, exactly. So <clears throat> the church cannot accept the call. An individual accepts the call, and the church sends them out. You see how that works? Mark chapter 16, or, or the, the sub-point on, under ordaining men to the ministry is uh, evangelize the world. Mark 16, 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. <clears throat> Again, who's he talking to? He's talking to an individual. Now, if I want everybody to turn around and look at the, the back wall over here. Okay, everybody look look back there. <clears throat> what is, what does that say? Okay, around the corner, around the world. Now, what is the difference? What is the practical difference between let, let's just I'm gonna pick on Brian because he's right here in front. <clears throat> let, let's just say Brian came to me uh, next week and said, you know what, Pastor, God's called me and Orlando to, to, to go back to um, the Azores and, and start a church in the Azores, which I think would be a great idea, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, but seriously, and, and, and <clears throat> but I say, and then I, I say, but, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, Okay, Grace Baptist Church, let's all pack up and move to the Azores. Now, I'd be for that, okay? I'd be for that. But, but see, the, you, you get my point now. I'm sorry? <laughs> Anybody want to make a motion? Uh, um, well, we can't. We're not in a business meeting. That's, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> okay, but, but seriously, let, let's, let's think about this logically. What, in a very practical sense, what is the difference between that and Brian coming to me next week and saying, Pastor, I've got a real burden for my neighborhood. I, I need to reach my neighborhood. Is there a difference? That's the only difference. That is the only difference. And see, so often we read these passages in Matthew 28 and what was that, Mark 16? Mark, yeah, Mark 16. We read these and we think of these far off places, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, all of the world includes your neighborhood. 
So what is the call? The call is to each and every one of us. The call is not a select few like Paul and Barnabas because we, we read about this in Acts chapter 13 of Paul and Barnabas going out and the church laying hands on them. But what was happening in, in Acts chapter 13? They were actively winning souls where they were. And Paul and Barnabas and God said, hey, separate these two guys, lay your hands on them and send them out. The gospel's got to go. And the only practical difference is the distance. We have the same call. And the church is to be the facilitator of the call. The church... Grace Baptist Church is supposed to be the place where you come and you get educated, where you get encouraged to go and do the work of the ministry. The call for me to preach the gospel is exactly the same for you to preach the gospel. I just get paid for it. <laughs> But I need to be a soul winner just like you need to be a soul winner. I need to reach the world just like you need to reach the world. And as a corporate body of a local church, we pool our financial resources and come alongside other churches to help worldwide evangelism. That is how we reach the entire world. And I'm out of time again. And I only got one more point. I got two more points to go. Good grief. <clears throat> Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want